Well, Gallup is a, a company that is famous for the surveys it conducts of people around the world on a variety of, of topics. Uh, since the year 2006, Gallup has uh, conducted a survey called the Global Emotions Report, where it asks people around the world from a number of different countries, from a number of different cultures, about their emotional state. Yeah, how are they feeling? What's this last year been like for them? Uh, one of the questions on that survey is about anger. Uh, something like, uh, how often do you feel angry? Do you, would you describe yourself as feeling angry? Well, in 2019, 22% of all those surveyed from around the world told Gallup that they felt angry. That was a record high since that question was first asked way back in 2006. You want to know what the number was in 2022? It was 23%. It was even higher. The, the time, the, the age, the, this, this period of time that we've been living in is, is often called the age of rage. Anger around the globe seems to be on the rise. Uh, road rage and even in the last couple of years, air rage among airline passengers has skyrocketed. There seems to be a, a constant stream of news about riots or protests in one country or another. Uh, rarely a week goes by if, without some news of a celebrity feud or a, a Twitter war or some sort of social media war happening between famous people. Now you can find any number of theories as to why anger is on the rise. And maybe it's smartphones causing us to lose stress or lose touch with one another. Perhaps it's our, our stress. Maybe it's just the negative effects of, of social media in our life. In the last couple of years, people will blame the pandemic, COVID, or isolation for a rise in anger. Uh, what is clear, though, is that anger is a problem. Uh, but though 23% of those surveyed in 2022 said that they felt angry, anger is not a new problem. In fact, following, following, following the fall of man, following following Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. The very next sin recorded in the Bible is one of anger. It is the anger of Cain that leads him to murder his brother Abel. This is just four chapters into the biblical story, just four chapters into that first book of the Bible, Genesis, that we see the devastating effects of anger. And we don't just see the devastating effects of anger when it comes to Cain and Abel. We see the judgment that our anger brings. Cain is punished for killing his brother by the Lord and must depart from the presence of the Lord. Well, this judgment, Cain's separation from God, well, that's really the, the fundamental problem of our anger. The Bible does not ignore the, the social problems that come with anger, the mental health issues that, that might arise if you happen to be a very angry person or even the problems in your personal relationships brought about by anger. But the Bible makes clear that the biggest consequence of our anger is that it has separated us from God and that it has invited his judgment. And that's because our anger is not produced by external forces. It is not the fault of social media. It's not the fault of the pandemic. It is not the fault of the circumstances of our lives. Now, our anger is the overflow of our hearts. 
Well, this morning we're going to be examining what the book of Proverbs has to say about the problem of anger. This is our third week in the book of Proverbs. We have a few more left. And this week the theme is anger. The main idea of this sermon is that anger is destructive. We're going to see the destructive effects of anger. Anger is destructive. And therefore, the wise, those who are wise, are slow to anger, just as God has been slow to anger with them. Anger is destructive, and therefore the wise are slow to anger, just as God has been slow to anger with them. So I have three points for the sermon, three points that I want to draw out of Proverbs about anger. The first is the reason for anger. The second is the result of anger. And the third is the remedy for anger, or the the cure for anger. So the reason, the result, and the remedy of anger. So first... What are some of the reasons for anger? And now remember, as we've said for the last couple of weeks, the book of Proverbs presents general truths. It's not intended to give the entire truth on any particular subject. You cannot just go to one proverb or even a few different proverbs and find all that the Bible has to say about a particular subject. So what we find in Proverbs is not all that the Bible has to say about the topic of anger. We saw more about anger even in Romans 12 that Amina just read for us. Proverbs, for instance, does not make any distinction between righteous anger and unrighteous anger. There is a, a righteous anger in the Bible. But Proverbs almost exclusively focuses on sinful anger, which, in truth, is almost exclusively the type of anger that we display in our own lives. It is so rare for us to be righteously angry And so Proverbs places its focus on our sinful anger. And that being said, Proverbs gives a a number of reasons that we, that you, struggle with anger. At first, Proverbs makes it clear that your anger is a lack of self-control. And your anger is a lack of patience. Your anger springs from your own lack of self-control and your own lack of patience. Over and and over again, the book of Proverbs makes it clear that the wise person is self-disciplined. The wise person is self-controlled. Anger, on the other hand, is one of the most visible, one of the most prominent, and one of the most obvious expressions of a lack of self-control in someone's life. So Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. A patient person shows great understanding. But a quick-tempered one, or an angry one, promotes foolishness. What's the contrast that that verse is making? It's It's a contrast between one who is patient on one hand and one who is angry on the other. That proverb seems to indicate that patience and anger are the opposite of one another. Well, just think for a moment. In in what ways might that be true? In what ways are patience and anger the opposite of one another? Friends, anger often comes when you do not get what you want when you want it. Anger often comes when someone does not do the thing that you want them to do. Anger is often the fruit of those who are unable to wait. If you honestly examine your heart, I believe you'll find that at least one of the reasons that you get angry, and I know it's true in my own life, is because you think it will get you what you want. If you get angry, it'll get you what you want. 
If I yell at my child, they will do what I say. I don't need to have the patience to diligently teach them, to gently correct them. If I stop speaking to my friend because I am angry, if I, uh, if I will not talk to them anymore, oh, that's going to make them apologize. They're going to come and do the thing that I want them to do. They're going to give me what I want to restore the relationship. I do not need to do the patient work of restoring that friendship. I'll just react to them angrily. If I speak unkindly to my coworker or that employee at the store, I will intimidate them into doing the thing that I want them to do. I will get what I want out of this if I speak harshly. Friends, anger is, is often the fruit of a heart that seeks immediate gratification. A heart that wants what it wants when it wants it. In addition, anger shows a lack of patience with others. It is an unwillingness to bear with the failings of others in the way that God has bore with our failings. It's an unwillingness to be patient with those who might do things differently than you. Those who might value different things than you do. Those who might not behave in the exact ways that you behave. Now coming from the the United States, one thing that is very valued in, in my culture is time. Generally speaking, in the U.S., it's very important to be on time. It's considered rude to be late somewhere. It's generally considered that you're respecting other people's time if you are on time. Well, I'm guessing some of you guys are inwardly laughing at that right now because in the many different cultures here in the UAE, time is not that important. Time is not valued by many of your cultures in the way it is valued by by my culture. People are often late around here. I'm sure people are often late back in your home countries. Friends, that can be a temptation for me to get angry as people do not value time the way I do. Sometimes you have to fight to be patient. But a wise person, a, a patient person, shows great understanding. They are patient with others. Friends, anger comes from a lack of patience. Proverbs 16.32 Patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. Patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. But the idea that the writer of Proverbs is conveying there is that it takes more strength to battle and subdue one's temper. It takes more self-control to control one's emotions than it does to capture a city. Ruling one's spirit, ruling one's emotions, is a far greater achievement than, than any military victory. For those of you who, who know the, the story of the Bible well, think of King Saul, the first king of Israel. He won a number of, of military victories as king of Israel. But Saul could not control his, his jealousy towards David. King Saul could not control his anger towards David. And if uh, if you do know the biblical story, what you probably remember the most about King Saul is not his military victories. It's the foolishness of his his anger. Uh, Friends, uh, avoiding anger requires self-discipline. It requires self-control. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort to capture a city. But brothers and sisters, what amount of, of time and effort and planning do you put into fighting your sinful anger? 
Proverbs 29, 11. A fool, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person holds it in check. A fool gives full or complete vent to his anger, but a wise person holds it in check. My friends, giving full vent to your anger can take a number of different forms. And now the, I think the picture that probably comes to our mind when somebody is giving full vent to their anger is the person who loses control, screams or yells or maybe even hits others in a fit of violent rage. And maybe the way a two-year-old with no self-control might behave. But friends, it also includes the, the person who expresses their anger in a more passive way, in a more subtle way. My friends, do you struggle with being frequently bitter against others? Do you hold a grudge against others who mistreat you? Is it common for you to give someone the cold shoulder, to stop speaking to them when when they may have hurt your feelings, when maybe they've even done something wrong against you? Friends, you might not scream or yell. You might not react like that two-year-old reacts and scream and yell and hit. But if you silently brood in your anger... If you express your anger in in more subtle or silent ways, friends, you're just giving full vent to your anger in another way. And friends, giving full vent to your anger can also mean that you just always express your anger. You'll express any minor frustration or grievance. You never overlook an offense. Nobody can do anything against you without knowing about it. Whenever, Whenever you're angry, you're going to say something. People around you are going to always know when you're angry because they will be able to tell it from the look on your face. Friends, that's just another way of giving full vent to your anger. One writer had this to say about Proverbs 29.11. The wise man holds his anger in check, but the fool is the slave of impulse and is at the mercy of every moment when he chances to feel irritation. His point is this, the, the fool is just a slave to their emotions. A small irritation will set them off. They have to say something. It's going to ruin their whole day, any small irritation. They're a slave to whatever emotion they feel in the moment because they have no self-control. Friends, in our day and age, it is often seen as a, a virtue for people to tell it like it is or to, to be real to say or express whatever it is they are feeling, somehow that is seen as more authentic. Friends, the the book of Proverbs, the Bible, says it is the fool who gives full vent to his anger. As many have said, emotions are good servants, but terrible masters. Emotions are good servants, but terrible masters. Friends, our emotions are given by God. Emotions are not wrong in and of themselves. It is not wrong to feel emotion. Now, there are times because of sin we will feel wrong emotions, like sinful anger. Those are times for us to evaluate our hearts, to examine what is at the root of of this. Why am I feeling angry? But emotions in and of themselves are not wrong. But brothers and sisters, emotions are terrible masters. Christians are not to be ruled or governed by their emotions. 
It is not a Christian virtue to tell it like it is or to be real. Your anger, your sadness, friends, even your joy are not to be your guides. Your emotions are to be subject to the word of God. Your emotions are to be brought under the authority of God. The the famous pastor Tim Keller writes this. Every single emotion you have, every single emotion that you have should be processed or thought about in prayer. Every single emotion you have should be processed in prayer. Brothers and sisters, that includes when you feel angry. Anger is characterized by a lack of self-control and a lack of patience. So so still in this first point of the sermon, the the reasons for our anger is it comes from a lack of self-control and patience. But also we see in Proverbs that another reason for anger is that it's driven, anger is driven by pride and foolishness. Anger is driven by pride and foolishness. So we thought about pride a lot last week. We considered the theme of humility. We really considered the themes of pride and humility in Proverbs together. If you want to think more about that, you can go listen to the sermon on our website. But I want you to see this week that pride is related to anger. That shouldn't really be that big of a surprise. Proverbs tells us that both pride and anger are characteristics of those who are foolish. It is the fool. So pride often leads to anger. Again, if you know your Bible, think back to King Saul. What led to his anger against David? It was his pride. King Saul grew jealous when the people of Israel praised David as a warrior more than they praised him as a warrior. They seemed to have a greater love for David than they did King Saul. So King Saul, in his pride, grew jealous and angry towards David, though David had done him no wrong. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 22. Do not say, I will avenge this evil. Wait on the Lord, and he will rescue you. Do not say, I will avenge this evil. Wait on the Lord, and he will rescue you. Now, friends, isn't it often pride that would lead someone to take justice into their own hands? Who would seek to make any wrong done against them right, to get even at all costs? Now, friends, when you do that, you're just setting yourself up as the judge of, of what is right and wrong. Your pride leads you to be judgmental of others, and your resulting anger leads you to want to inflict punishment on others. The author David Pallison writes in his book, Good and Angry. He's a a Christian writer who has written this book, Good and Angry, to help Christians battle anger. Well, he says that the path to anger almost always follows this path. He's a counselor who has walked a number of people through anger. And he says this is the pattern you almost always see with those who are angry. One, you identify some perceived wrong. You're convinced somebody did something wrong against you or somebody did something wrong against somebody else. Two, you disapprove of that action. You disapprove of whatever that person did. You feel displeasure towards them. And then third, you are moved to action as a result. You decide to say or do something in response. Uh, Friends, don't you see some pride at work there? When you get angry, you're always making a judgment about someone or something. It's inescapable. You're making a moral judgment. And even when you are right and somebody has done something wrong against you, maybe when somebody truly has done something something wrong against someone else, 
There's a pride in thinking you always have to set things right, each and every time. There is a time and place for correction. And Proverbs are general truths. This proverb does not mean that there is no time to correct somebody. But there is a pride in thinking that you have to say something or do something every time someone does something wrong. I'm just speaking the truth. I'm just telling it like it is. And you might say that. But in your anger, what you really want is just to see the other person punished. Proverbs 19.3 A person's own foolishness leads him astray. Yet his heart rages against the Lord. A person's own foolishness leads him astray, yet his heart rages or grows angry against the Lord. Now, friends, don't we love to blame other people or other things for our problems? We love to shift the blame. My guess is that some of you have been angry at God before. You blamed him for the problems in your life. My friends, some of you may be angry at the Lord right now, especially in light of this flood that has hit Fujairah. How could God let that happen to me? Why is my life so difficult? Why did I not get that job? Why did God let my mom get sick? And the list goes on and on. Friends, trials and sufferings are part of the Christian life. They are promised to us. Difficult times will come in life. The Bible makes that abundantly clear. But friends, sometimes, not always, but sometimes those difficulties come as a result of your own foolish choices. Not always, but sometimes the suffering you experience is just you feeling the consequences of your own foolish choices. The child who ignores the warning not to eat too much chocolate has no one but himself to blame when he gets sick. It's not God's fault if pornography destroys your marriage. But friends, what is the reaction of the the proud person when they feel the consequences of their own foolish choices? What is the reaction of the fool? That's to get angry at God and blame God for their problems. Perhaps someone else, but this proverb seems to be focused on blaming the Lord. They get angry at God and blame God for their problems, though it was their own foolishness that led them astray. I don't know if you remember, but probably about a year ago now, we, we, I preached through the, the book of Jonah in the Old Testament, the story of the prophet Jonah. Jonah, who became angry at God because God showed mercy to the people of Nineveh. The people of Nineveh were the enemies of the nation of Israel. Jonah was an Israelite. He did not like the Ninevites. They had been oppressors of his people. But God chose to show mercy to the city of Nineveh, to use Jonah to preach to the people of Nineveh and show mercy to them. And Jonah grew angry that God would forgive them. God had done Jonah no wrong. It was Jonah's own foolishness. It was Jonah's own pride that made him angry. He did not understand the mercy that the Lord had shown him. He did not fully appreciate the fact that he was a sinner in need of God's mercy, no different than the people of Nineveh. And so he grew angry at the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, even if your suffering is not the result of your sin, it is still wrong to grow angry at God. It's really just a way of saying that you know better than the Lord. It is a sign of doubt and mistrust, of unbelief in the Lord. 
Now look, it is, it's fine. it is a fine and it is an okay thing to take your anger to the Lord in prayer. Remember Tim Keller, we're to process every emotion in prayer. It's fine to confess to the Lord that you are struggling with anger. We see the psalmist write about the anger that they struggle with. But friends, there's a far different thing in taking your anger to the Lord, of processing it in prayer. That's a much different thing than expressing your anger at God or simply venting to God. It is not okay to express your anger at God or vent to God. Friends, I want you to notice that as we go through these various reasons for our anger, this first point of the sermon, that Proverbs, as does the rest of the Bible, Proverbs puts the blame for your anger on you. No matter your circumstances, no matter the people in your life, you can choose to be wise, you can choose to be a fool. As we've thought about the last couple of weeks, Proverbs presents two paths that you can follow. You can follow the path of the wise. Proverbs was written that you might be wise. You can follow the path of the fool, which leads to destruction. Friends, your anger is not because other people are being foolish, though they might be. It's because you are being foolish. Your anger is the overflow of your heart. You are the reason for your anger. And friends, that brings us to the the second point of the sermon, which is the result of anger. We we see that you are the reason for your anger, but what is the result of your anger? Friends, Proverbs makes it abundantly clear that your anger harms both you, it harms you, but it also harms those around you. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Friends, your anger creates conflict. Now remember, Proverbs are not promises. They're general truths. Not every gentle answer turns away anger. You can probably think of people in your life that you have tried to answer gently when they have grown angry and it did nothing. Not every harsh word stirs up wrath. Sometimes when we're foolish, other people choose to be gentle with us. But generally speaking... Anger leads to conflict. It creates conflict with others. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered person, another way of saying an angry person, stirs up conflict. But one slow to anger calms strife. Well, Derek Kidner, one commentator on Proverbs who has thought a lot and written about the book of Proverbs, has this to say about that verse. The point here is that quarrels or fights depend on people far more than on subject matter or circumstances. The reason for fights is is people, not the things going on around them. It's the same same point that James, the author of the letter of James in the New Testament makes in James chapter 4. He writes this. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Do they not come from your passions that wage war within you? In other words, do they not come from your anger? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. Friends, in other words, James is saying that you get angry because of your own selfish desires. You want something so bad that you grow angry when you do not get it in an effort 
to get it, so you lash out. And what is the result? Conflict, wars, fights among you. Friends, the conflict in your relationships, the fight that you have with others, those conflicts and fights are your own fault. You are the reason for your anger. But friends, even when someone lashes out in anger at you, and that is going to happen, even when somebody treats you angrily, you can still respond gently and in love. But the truth of Proverbs 15.1 still stands. A gentle answer turns away anger. Friends, you can choose to diffuse the conflict, to ease the conflict, or you can choose to make it worse. Again, Derek Kidner goes on to write this about Proverbs 15.18. Peacemakers, as opposed to those who stir up conflict, peacemakers, those who make peace, carry about with them an atmosphere in which fights die a natural death. Around peacemakers, fights just seem to die a natural death. A conflict dies a natural death around peacemakers because they are slow to anger. They are slow to anger, and the slow to anger calm strife. They give gentle answers, and gentle answers turn away wrath. Friends, anger produces conflict. And so if you notice that your relationships are filled with conflict, if there is often tension between you and your friends or you and your coworkers or you and your family, friends, you need to ask, how are you contributing to that conflict and tension? Are you easily angered? Are you quick to get angry? Are you slow to overlook offenses? Are your words harsh? Friends, if you often experience conflict in the relationships in your life, you need to look at yourself. Friends, anger destroys relationships. Anger destroys friendships. It destroys marriages. It can destroy relationships with your children. Anger is destructive. But anger does more than stir up conflict and damage your relationships. Anger also tempts others to sin. In Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Do not make friends with an angry person, and do not be a companion of a hot-tempered one, or you will learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Do not make friends with an angry person, and do not be a companion of a hot-tempered one, or you will learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Friends, the Apostle Paul says something similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He writes, bad company corrupts good morals. Friends, your anger tempts other people to get angry. It tempts them to respond to your anger in anger. Now, they're responsible for their anger just as much as you are responsible for your own anger, no matter who, no matter how you treat others, and no matter how they treat you. But it still tempts others towards anger. It sets a bad example for your friends, your children, and others. Friends, those who are quick to anger entangle others in a snare. And so the wise, they do not make friends with those who are quick to anger. Uh, They do not spend a great deal of time around those who are quick to anger. Friends, as I mentioned in the introduction to this sermon, anger is celebrated by many. It seems as if our society, anger is beginning to be seen as a virtue. People engage in social media fights with one another. People take sides in the latest celebrity feud. 
gossip magazines exist because people love to follow these types of stories. It is seen as virtuous to angrily defend one's honor. But friends, you are making friends with an angry person when you become engrossed in these things. Do not follow the latest celebrity feud. Do not follow the latest Twitter war. Stay away from the gossip magazines. You are making friends with an angry person when you read up on the latest celebrity gossip. When you follow the latest social media fights. When you become consumed with political battles. Their anger is influencing you. Those who make friends with an angry person entangle themselves in a snare. Friends, anger is harmful, and you and others will bear the consequences for your anger. Proverbs 19.19, a person with anger bears the penalty. If you rescue him, you will have to do it again. A person with anger bears the penalty. If you rescue him, you will have to do it again. Now again, Proverbs are general truths. There is a time and place to help someone who has gotten in trouble even because of their anger. But the point is that generally, if you help an angry person out of the trouble that they have gotten themselves in, they're just going to get themselves in trouble again. They're going to grow angry again and there is going to be a consequence. They are going to continually need rescue. In college, I had a friend, a, a good friend actually, who was a really kind and mild-mannered guy almost all of the time until you played a sport with him. Uh, we would have to get assigned on intramural sports. We would get assigned on sports teams in college that we would play with one another. He was assigned on my team a number of different times. And he would constantly cause fights against the, the other teams that we were playing against. He would get irrationally angry about anything that did not go his way when we were playing these things. We had to rescue him from the consequences of his anger a number of times as people almost punched him. It gave us a bad name because we became associated with him. Now we really didn't have much of a choice except to rescue him over and over again because we had to go play these sports. It was part of the rule. But it was miserable to play with him because of his anger. Over and over again we had to rescue him from the consequences of his anger. Uh, friends, do not miss the point that there are consequences to your anger. An anger. A person with anger bears the penalty. You will bear the penalty for your anger. You will experience consequences if you give in and give vent to your anger. You might face medical problems like high blood pressure. You might simply make yourself miserable by giving yourself over to your anger. It is not a pleasant thing to be angry all day or to be angry for a week. You're making yourself miserable. You might destroy relationships in your life. You could go to prison if you give full vent to your anger. Friends, you will face consequences for your anger. But friends, you need to know that the greatest penalty that you will face for your anger is God's judgment. That is the greatest penalty that you bear. And friends, that is a penalty that no one other than Jesus Christ can rescue you from. Your friends cannot rescue you from the judgment of God for your anger. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 22. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. These are the words of Jesus. 
Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hell. Friends, one day God will pour out his anger. God will pour out his wrath. God will pour out his judgment against all those who have persisted in their anger, who have not repented of their anger, who have not turned from their anger in repentance and faith. And God will pour out his wrath against all those who are not patient, who do not control their emotions, those who are quick-tempered and speak harsh words. And unlike your anger, God's anger, God's judgment, and his wrath is fully justified because your anger is an offense against a holy God. Friends, that is the ultimate penalty for anger. It is God's judgment. The same as Cain experienced way back in Genesis 4, it is separation from the God of the universe. Now that brings us to our third and final point then. If that is the, the judgment for anger, but what is the remedy for anger? What is the fix for our anger? If you do not want to experience the judgment of God, What is the remedy for anger? Friends, to find deliverance from the ultimate penalty for your anger, to be delivered from God's wrath, there is only one answer. There is only one remedy. You must repent of your anger. Friends, repentance is more than simply telling God that you're sorry for your anger. It is that. It's to to plead with God to forgive you. But it's also to turn away from your anger. It is to act in a different way. And friends, if you constantly say you're sorry for your anger, but your actions never change, that's not true repentance. And friends, you must repent of your anger, but you also must place your faith in Jesus as the only one who can deliver you from God's wrath. Friends, if you are here and not a Christian, well, know that the good news of the gospel might be summed up by 1 Thessalonians 1.10 which says, Jesus, Jesus delivers us. Jesus delivers you from the wrath to come. Friends, God the Son, Jesus Christ, humbled himself by coming to earth and taking on human flesh. Jesus, who was God from the beginning, lived a perfect life without sin on the earth. Never once did he grow sinfully angry. And his perfect life, his lack of sinful anger, not just serves as an example to be followed, though it is an example for you to follow. But his righteousness becomes your righteousness. His obedience becomes your obedience when you repent and place your faith in him. That is not, and that is because Jesus did not just live the life that you could not live, a life free of sinful anger. He died the death that you deserve to die. He took the judgment that you deserve. That penalty for anger that should have fallen on you fell on Jesus Christ on the cross instead. Friends, Jesus took the penalty for sin for all who would repent and believe. Jesus does not bear your penalty if you persist in your sin, but he bears the penalty for your sin if you turn to him in repentance and faith. God's wrath, God's anger was poured out on Jesus at the cross. And friends, Jesus did not stay dead. He took the judgment that we deserve for our sin at the cross. But three days later, he rose from the dead, showing that his sacrifice had been acceptable to God and that God's wrath had been satisfied. The reason that our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west is because Jesus paid the full penalty for those sins at the cross. 
Jesus rose again three days later, showing that God had accepted that payment for sin. Friends, freedom from the penalty from your anger can only come by repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what that looks like, what repentance and faith is, please talk to me after the service. I would be more than happy to to talk to you more about that. And brothers and sisters, for those of you who are here and are Christians, well, you know that anger does not go away at the, the moment that God saves you. We still fight against our sinful flesh. We still have temptation. Anger remains. But friends, we're still to work to put anger to death. We are to grow less and less angry by God's grace the longer we are Christians. So friends, those of you who are Christians, what is the remedy for your anger? How do we fight our sinful flesh? The anger that remains. Friends, it's to remember and meditate on the same gospel that saved you. The same gospel that I just shared about Jesus' perfect life and his death on your behalf on the cross. I cannot emphasize this enough. The gospel is essential for godliness. The gospel is essential for all of life. The remedy for your anger is to remember what God has done for you in Jesus Christ and to remember Jesus' example. Brothers and sisters, let me explain what I mean. And remember in Proverbs, we we looked at this a few moments ago, that anger seemed to be the opposite of patience. There's patience on one hand that the wise exhibit. There's anger that the foolish exhibit. So friends, how can you grow to be more patient and less angry? Friends, it's to remember God's patience to you. Psalm 103, that psalm that I just read at the beginning of the service. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows that we what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. Brothers and sisters, God was patient with you in your sin. He has not dealt with you as your sins deserved. He has been patient with you. He was slow to anger. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the atoning sacrifice for your sins. And friends, God continues to be patient with you. His patience has not stopped. He continues to be patient with you as you continue to sin. He continues to be patient every time that you grow angry. He continues to be patient with you as he works to transform you more and more into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. He remembers that you are dust. He remembers your weakness. He is patient. Friends, if you want to grow in patience, you must remember God's patience towards you. Remember Jesus' patience with his disciples while he was on the earth. Remember Jesus' patience with those who all who came to him looking for healing, even when Jesus was tired. Remember God's patience. Remember Jesus' example. You can be slow to anger because God has been slow to anger with you. Proverbs 19.11, a person's insight, a person's insight gives him patience. And his virtue is to overlook an offense. Our society says it's a virtue to grow angry, to set the record right, to tell it like it is. Proverbs says virtue is to overlook an offense. 
Friends, part of the remedy for anger is overlooking offenses. To not grow angry every time somebody does something wrong to you. It is forgiving others. Friends, how can you grow to do this? It's by remembering God's forgiveness of you in Jesus Christ. It's by remembering the gospel. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Let all, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you along with malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. And how are you kind and compassionate to one another? How can you forgive others? It's by remembering just how much God has forgiven you. Brothers and sisters, have you stopped just to think about how much God has forgiven you? If you struggle to, to forgive others, Perhaps you have not truly considered God's forgiveness of you. God has forgiven you a much greater debt than you will ever, ever, ever have to forgive any other person. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 or 15. 14 and 15, this is what Jesus says. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Friends, why is that true? Because if you do not forgive others, you have not, you have not truly grasped God's forgiveness. You have not grasped your own sin, and you have not turned to God in repentance and faith. The remedy for your anger is to remember God's forgiveness of you. It's to remember the fact that Jesus died for your forgiveness. You have sinned far more against God than anyone has ever sinned against you. And Jesus paid a far higher price for your sin than you will ever have to pay to overlook the offense of another. Jesus paid a far higher price for your sin than you will have to pay by overlooking the offense of the other. Friends, when you overlook an offense, you take the penalty for that sin on yourself. You don't seek to make it right. You bear the penalty. You say, that is okay. It's like if somebody borrowed five bucks from you and you don't ask them to repay it. Well, you took the burden of that $5. You took the penalty. Well, friends, you do the same thing when you overlook an offense. But Jesus has, done a, has paid a far higher price than you will ever pray to do that to another. Remember Proverbs 20, 22, Don't say, I will avenge this evil. Wait on the Lord and he will rescue you. Well, one author wrote about that verse. The certainty that God is Savior and Judge is the answer to selfish haste and the anger that comes with it. The certainty that God is Savior and Judge is the answer to selfish haste and the anger that comes with it. Friends, the, the remedy to giving full vent to your anger and trying to right every wrong, to trying to make everything right, is to completely trust that God will one day make all things right. He is a just God. He will one day right all wrongs. Friends, this is a lot of what it means to trust in the Lord with all your heart and to lean not on your own understanding. Trust that God will make all things right. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Brothers and sisters, the remedy for your anger is to remember the gospel. Remember and meditate on the fact that God is a God of justice. He proved it. He placed the judgment for your sin on Jesus Christ. He judged your sin. He just judged it. He just put the penalty on someone else. And so friends, you can trust that he will one day make all things right that he will one day rescue you from the light and momentary afflictions of this earth. 
So brothers and sisters, follow the example of Jesus, who when he was insulted, when Jesus was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten or grow angry, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. 1 Peter 2, 23 and 24. And so friends, as you fight your anger, give praise and thanks to God for the good news of the gospel. Give him thanks for salvation. Patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control are the opposite of anger. And friends, all those things are also the gracious fruit of the spirit that you have living within you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Friends, as you meditate on the gospel, pray that God would grow you in these fruits of the Spirit. Trust that God will grow you in these fruits of the Spirit. Trust that he will use his word to help you die to your sinful anger and to live to righteousness. Friends, God is a God who is slow to anger. He is patient, and he will patiently help you grow. Friends, let's go to the Lord in prayer.